Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and joining me as ever is Mr. David Bogle. Okay, Liverpool ran out 3-1 winners against Tottenham Hotspur only a matter of minutes ago. And Dave, all this time, the missing piece was James Milner in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, it's gas. I'm, I'm glad there we're doing there, this there wasn't, there wasn't too much difference to the team, Barry James Milner. Yeah, so Matip came in for Fabinho. Obviously, there's a, a, um, a suspected muscle strain that's not too hectic, but take him out of today's game. So Matip came in for him, and Henderson obviously came... Uh, sorry, Henderson came in for Fabinho, but Matip was there. And then uh, Milner came in for Curtis Jones, and then the front three were, were the usual. And, you know, regardless of tonight's game... Um, Liverpool, for some reason, over the last few years in the clock era, played well under played well against Spurs, and it was another one of them performances tonight. So I'm delighted with tonight's performance, and I just hope it's the Catholics to push them on to try and get another run in and get a bit closer to the Manchester duo. But um, yeah, much much more Liverpool like tonight um, than 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 we've seen in the last say six weeks or so. Um, uh, Matip went off at halftime; that was the only thing, and Phillips came in so bit nervous about that but Liverpool getting the goal straight away in the second like literally just before half time just after half time kind of seemed to settle the nerves down Hoiberg got a great goal a couple of minutes later but Liverpool just carried on as if that didn't uh, happen uh, Salah had a lovely goal disallowed for handball fair enough but then Manny got one a couple of minutes later and everyone kind of yeah, everyone watching the game would have got that feeling that everyone settled down Liverpool settled on the ball Spurs didn't really have much uh, puff after that obviously missing uh, missing Kane, uh, he got a couple of little uh, ankle uh, twists in the first half and eventually they just gave way and that changed everything for Spurs as well. But yeah, a little bit more Liverpool like tonight without a shadow of a doubt. But we do, for some reason, always put that performance in against Spurs. So I won't get overly excited as of yet. Do you think Mourinho shot himself in the foot by trying to play three or five at the back wing backs? Yeah, like... <sighs> He was still trying to play a lot from out of the back. Like even for the goal kicks, there was two centre halves within the within the eighteen yard the uh, uh, eighteen yard box. And even in the first half, they were doing that. And I was like, "What are you doing? You're literally wanting to play to Liverpool's strengths, which is that press. And the more they press up there, the more they create chances from your mistakes." And um, yeah, Doherty was playing out left, did okay-ish, um, but the front three looked bang at it from the get-go and didn't look under any great pressure from that tree and even you know it was another mix another tinker that was probably not necessary for for for, for Spurs because Liverpool actually dominated the midfield which is the first time I've seen it probably in a couple of months because probably they were lacking a player or two because they were I think he was not necessarily parking the bus but definitely wanted to keep it tight to try and start the rot again with Liverpool and the, the confidence of oh we haven't scored in a while or whatever and, and get that going again and keep that nice and tight and compact in the back line which has been so effective against Liverpool over the last few weeks so yeah another tinker it was probably a tinker too many and then unfortunately once Liverpool had the stranglehold and weren't really put under too much pressure in their own back line in midfield Spurs unfortunately just don't have the strength in, in the back line you could see it for the, the first goal that Mane got um, it was that perfect ball where 
Dyer was hoping for Loris to come and he didn't and he didn't want to stick his leg out in case of the OG and Firmino was just there to tap it in and that's then then everything changed after that. Yeah, when I looking at it, there just seems to be so many gaps in the not just in the defense, as you said, in the midfield. So there was never really that five at the back. The, t- the two wing backs kind of pushed on, not together. You know, it was very sort of no. random, and there just seemed to be a lot of pockets for for Liverpool to drop mm-hmm. into and, and and look for it. But it just didn't look as secure as the Tottenham Hotspur teams have done. I suppose people are giving out about Tottenham and, you know, their negative football and all, but that's how they were getting their results. 100%. And you could see a little bit of that today when they won the ball. It was very much head up where Son and trying to put the ball over the top. But once Kane went, Son ended up being the centre forward and kind of was facing his own goal instead of facing towards Liverpool, which is what he likes. And the dynamic just completely changed from there. But... In the first half, that's exactly what they were going for. And but for some reason, as you said, with the with the tree at the back, with the wing back, it was just not as coherent as usual, and just played into Liverpool's strength. And it was a comfortable game, considering how Liverpool have been for the last five to six weeks. Very comfortable game for them, I have to say. Okay, the big question, and and everyone's talking about it, I suppose, is <laughs> do Liverpool go out uh, before the end of this transfer window? And try and get even a temporary centre back in. Yeah. If, if if you're, you know, the manager, do you look for someone else, or do you trust in the younger lads um, because you don't want to go out and just get some random player in, maybe a, someone who might be of the ilk of Mustafi or something, just because they're experienced, but they just yeah. might might not do the job. Yeah, like I would be shocked if they haven't looked. You know, when when you're when you're considering your two, in theory, two of your best three midfielders are playing in your back line, there's no two ways about it. You, that's something you only want to do for a game, two max. Like, so I'd be shocked if they haven't been looking. But just exactly, you probably hit the nail on the head there, mate. That is that something where that's all that is available. Like when you look at the rumours every day, like on the BBC website, it, they kind of give you the best of rumours, and there hasn't been a lot with Liverpool. Um, apart from maybe I think it was like he's a number three or number four centre half for Napoli that's the only one I ever heard heard nobody but Liverpool do keep it quite quiet you don't really know and then bang Liverpool announced the final of such and such but I'd say they've been looking but I just that kind of somebody of the ilk of Thiago with Chelsea or uh, uh, even though he's not a centre half that Gary McAllister kind of that's floating around that you could get in for six months and maybe get another year out of him it's probably, there's not that many out there. No one's really stuck out really other than, like, there's no one. There's literally no one. Um, and I'd say there is players out there without a shadow of a doubt, but do you kind of look at bringing somebody in early that they were looking for? Maybe, but then the money was probably too high. Like, they're probably sitting on maybe three to 400 grand a week and, and wages in and, and the centre-halves alone. And, you know, with the financial situation that is at the moment, you've seen the predicament that Barcelona in Liverpool, are a superpower but not maybe the mega powers that you would see of Chelsea City and United they're just below them I would say and they could be watching the pennies so it could be a, a best of both worlds like if we can get somebody at the right price um, for the six months yeah but I'd be shocked if they haven't been looking but as you said I would go with more what you said I think unfortunately there's people probably as, as of the ilk of a Mustafi more so than a, than a Thiago Your Spurs your Mourinho you look at Gareth Bale coming off or coming on with 10 minutes to go 
do you cut your losses? Do you say, listen, head back to Madrid, this is really not working? Yeah, like it's, it's cost him a lot of money, I presume. I'm sure they're paying a fair whack of his wages. Um, he's playing 90 minutes in FA Cup matches and as long as they're in that, he'll get games. But, you know, at one point when they were doing the warm-up, but look, the, the guys in the commentary were saying that Lucas Moore is putting in the more the more heavier warm-up and I, pre- I just presumed he was coming on and then Bale came on and did next to nothing, tried to do a switch pass that went over everybody and out, out, out to touch for a goal kick and showed absolutely nothing. Considering it was only 10 minutes, I would have thought he did. Isn't it hard for him though? Isn't it hard for him to come on and impact anything with 10 minutes to go? So, why is he bothering bringing him on if, you know, if he's not going to give him, you know, the 20, 25 minutes where he could impact the game? Possibly. Um, but then again, you know what Mourinho, he, he failed a bit like Hazard and a few others. Maybe he's not the type of player he really wants and he came in, had a look at him and yeah, actually he's not, he's a shell of himself. You I would, don't know. You wouldn't know with Mourinho because he could very well be putting him on with 10 minutes to go knowing that he probably won't do anything so then he doesn't have to play him in, in, in other games. He's he's cunning. Yeah. <laughs> he's devious like that. But that's it and that's what people need to think about from time to time. It's not always, oh, he's rubbish. Oh, he's, he's crap. He's gone. Like It mightn't be that. He knows he's probably the type of player who won't really react to 10 minutes and then he can sit back on, well, you've seen him last week. He didn't do it for me so that's why he didn't play or bit like Deli Ali, well, he played for this and look at him, he did not for me. So I, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing. So that's a that's very much a, a, a definite possibility. During the week, Chelsea sack club legend Frank Lampard and within 24 hours announced Thomas Tuchel as his replacement. He immediately took charge of his first game against Wolves, which ended up scoreless. Let's... Well, we won't discuss Lampard just yet, but what did you make of Tuchel's first Chelsea starting lineup? Yeah, it was very much um, you, you expected Werner in it without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and obviously Havertz coming in wasn't that much of a surprise. And I'm not saying he has to put them in just purely because he's German. But you, I just had that feeling he would. But the fact that he wasn't, I was a bit surprised. Um, excuse me, but... Yeah. Like, uh, Jorginho apparently is somebody he's a fan of. Like, some of these journalists seem to know a hell of a lot about him than you would expect, considering he's only in the door. So, how how much... Like, the fact that this is out before is official, I'd say, I'd say he's been well lined up for a week or two. Um, because there's a lot of opinions, of, uh, and, and it's all guesswork or is it something that they've known in, in, in the background. But, yeah, Giroud was a bit of a surprise up front. Obviously, Abraham and, uh, and Werner on the bench. So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised with, with, with that. But... You know, he played a three-four-two-one, um, which is probably his go-to. Is is oh, sorry, Hudson Odoi was out the right, so it was his go-to kind of formation. But with no Werner um, and Abraham, I was a little bit on the surprise side, but there was no, there was no doubt uh, Havertz was going to come in. But Pulisic not there either. Kind of a couple of these guys who he'd know quite well, all sitting on the bench. So maybe he just didn't want to look too obvious. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's it's, it's literally his first game. Um, he, maybe he's trying to give one or two of the guys who haven't been kind of shining or maybe he thinks could have been in over the last few few weeks because he would have been studying this team. By all accounts, he probably knew for several days and maybe a bit longer that he, he was taking this over. So maybe that's where this team came from, where he needed to mix it up and make a bit of a statement to one or two people who he might feel has let down Lampard and Chelsea. 
Yeah, well, a couple of players wouldn't have though, and it's a it's a worry. James and Mount, who have done fairly well under Lampard, especially last year when uh, when the club really needed them, stumped out straight away. So it's kind of the signs are doesn't matter now. You're young, you're not good enough. Uh, a bit along the same lines as Mourinho. I want to get people in who I know have the quality and who are sort of nearly ready-made. Yeah, like, I suppose uh, uh, he seemed to know quite a lot today in his press conference about the type of player Billy Gilmore is as well because he obviously played in the cup game and it showed a bit of promise. Um, Mount, obviously, sorry, was the, was the bigger surprise. But it's so hard to kind of put a finger on this which are with only a first game in, I maybe was he trying to maybe was he trying to get a win by changing it up altogether just to show that there's a new sheriff in town, make a bit of a statement, but obviously it didn't come off that well with a, a nil all draw where yeah, there was a bit of life in the side, but it wasn't there wasn't enough of a spark to kind of go, Oh, Chelsea have switched it on because there would be a lot of um loyalists towards Frank Lampard. So it's not gonna be that straight uplift in a team, considering they weren't exactly floundering so to speak yes they weren't in the best of form for a few weeks but Jesus every team's had that spell this year so you know there won't be this massive overhaul and if anything it, it could go wrong um, because they're, they're, like your Hudson the Doys uh, Abraham Mount Chilwell Ziyech they're all being brought in by Lampard and would all be there could be a bit of fate there and then this guy comes in and really upsets the alpha card in the first game it'd be very interesting does he go back to tight now and that was just a bit of a firing shot or a warning shot. But it's very hard to kind of put a finger on it to exactly what's, what's it thinking. We probably have to give it a new a couple more weeks before we can really kind of lay, lay, a, lay a true solid opinion down. Yeah, and it's hard to see what what the, what did he bring that Lampard wasn't bringing. Mm. Like, I know obviously he got PSG to the Champions League final. That wasn't good enough for PSG. So I'm, I'm, I'm failing to see. And if when you bring a new manager yeah. in, you're probably going to have to spend another 100, 150 million because he'll want his players or is Tuchel going to be just a good little boy and, and use what he has? Yeah, like like when, when Lampard first came in you thought maybe Chelsea are going to do something a little bit different here and start a bit of a project and start a bit of a proper build with a club legend who obviously Lovrambich would know very well and have a lot of time for. There was the transfer ban so You've, you've time to uh, to breed in a few of the kids. Obviously, a few of them have come in now and settled in, and because they'd have a massive youth set up in the background, and kind of get one or two of the new spine, and then obviously in the summer, on paper, we all thought a lot of what they bought was quite impressive, young and up and coming, and pretty much nearly on the cusp of being proper settled stars in the game. And you're thinking, okay, Chelsea are buying some exciting players that are pleasing on the eye, have some good young, and you're thinking, here we go, and literally. Barely six months in, there's a threat of missing out on the top four. And Lampard, in fairness, at least Abramovich is consistent, torps him out um, like he would have anyone else. Which is disappointing, but at least Lampard's getting the same treatment he did, but that I didn't think he was going to get. Um, I really genuinely thought they were going to give him a bit of time and give him a chance to really try and set a long-term goal. Because managers, barely, apart from Mourinho, they literally do not last more than a season, season and a half. Um, there was a stat there, Roy, with um, he ha- Lampard actually has the lowest points per game out of all the managers since 2003. Um, 
and he he play, and he managed more. I think it was eight more games than um, eight more games or eight, sorry more games than eight of the other managers. Yet he's still at the bottom of the table. Having Grant and Mourinho are way up there with two point four, two point eight. He had one point five something. I think Benitez was underneath him. So his his league record is actually disappointing. But I think it was more of a rebuild. But obviously he wasn't given much time. Yeah, the win trophies or get the sack policy is what the club has used yeah. since Abramovich took over the club. And it's worked for them, really. No side has won more major trophies in the Abramovich era, uh, era than Chelsea. The The Russians' demand for nothing less than success has seen the West Londoners win 16 major honours in his time. And that's even more than Manchester United, which you would have thought... Uh, wasn't it so was it the right decision to sack Lampard Lampard's stats might be skewered a little bit by the whole Covid thing by last year that they weren't able to purchase players and they had to bring in youth players so it may be a little bit unfair does does Abramovich just have a way of of working and he'll always just work that way but he's won trophies yeah, hundred percent, and yeah, a bit similar. Yeah, I kind of was dancing around it there a little bit, but yeah, he's giving him the same treatment as he as he has with everyone else. But he'll sit back and go, "It's worked before for me." Simple as that. Um, it's not necessarily what we'd like to see. It's very unsettling, and even for Chelsea fans, even though they do have a lot of success, as you said, it's 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 it's, it's a pity the way it's done. But it works for him in a weird way, and that's why I think it's so easy for him to sack somebody because. Um, he'll bring the likes of Tuchel in. And Tuchel, there's a bit of a, I, I would say there's a bit of an element of the German element to try and get in. He's brought in a, the two, Havertz and Werner, for a lot of money. And they haven't set the world alight. If they were to leave in a year or two, they'd have lost a hell of a lot of money on them. He'll want to get them back playing to the level that they were playing with Leverkusen and, and Red Bull uh, Leipzig, uh, respectively, in order to at least break even or the fact that they're so young go beyond that and sell them for bigger money in a couple of years time or else get the real reward out of them so I'd say there was a bit of an element of the fact that Tuchel was free Lampard's not really cutting it I need to get back into that Champions League and maybe this guy can get a tune out of some of uh, his his new hot um, um, hot uh, transfer It'll be interesting because MPs over in England are looking to freeze the assets of Abramovich and uh, a numerous uh, amount of uh, Russian businessmen uh, that's in connection with uh, wasn't the, I can't remember I couldn't even tell you the Russian man's name who it was but there was an assassination or uh, a murder and it's all linked but uh, allegedly oh, <laughs> from a couple of years ago yeah. or recently uh, not long ago not long ago yeah um, so yeah, yeah. but I mean, if Abramovich wasn't there, Chelsea would just fall apart. So it's a it's a it's a big thing. Manchester United played bottom of the league. Sheffield United, knowing that a win would bring them back to top of the table, but Sheffield United had other ideas and ran out two one winners. Dave, it was a game that Manchester United should be winning, but didn't. Let's go straight to your article about the the setup of the team um, before the game started. It would have raised a lot of eyebrows for everybody with the changes that he made, considering, um, like, you know, Twan's AB came in, which was very much a, a, an, eye, a, a, an eyebrow raiser. Teles came in, fair enough. Matic came in, oh, he's so slow, as we all say. And then Greenwood came in, and it was Fernandez, Rashford, and Martial. 
you'd be a bit nervy considering there's a few too many changes. It, it set a stall out, in my opinion. And it could have planted a small seed in, in his side that, yeah, this is in the bag. We're making a few changes. Yeah, we'll just we'll just get through this and move on. But it also would have planted a seed in Sheffield United thinking, they think this is a walkover. Let's let's put them back to their place. You know, Sheffield United were bang at it. And just on effort alone, probably got them over the line due to, I didn't see the full 90 minutes. I was much more on match of the day, but just talking to a couple of the boys, Three or four of the lads, very pedestrian. Like obviously, Martial is the one that's getting the most criticism. So I I let you kind of go into more detail on that. But just the tick, the, the the starting lineup alone would have planted a seed both in United and their attitude, and certainly in Sheffield United in, in their response. And the stage was set for potentially that upset off the back of that. I think. Yeah. No. I I, I put I put the post up in a few Manchester United forums just to see what people were. We're saying, and generally, I go through a couple there. Stuart McDonald said that team was good enough if they actually put the work in. What annoyed me about Oli again is how slow he he is to change it up. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah. He's another one. Own own McDonald. I don't know if this is his brother or whatever. That team <laughs> <laughs> that was put yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. should have destroyed Sheffield. You know, the whole team underperformed. Not the manager's fault. Busy period, and his he has faith in his players. Unfortunately, they let him down. Um, I did get an an, an interesting one uh, later on. Um, Whoever, this is John Hawhey, whoever wrote this is mentally challenged, so I I enjoyed that one. Um, And it it basically goes on, generally in the same team, that the team should have been good enough to beat Sheffield United. Okay. Yeah, because Martial was one of the big ones. Would I be right in saying that? Apparently he, he was very laboured around the pitch and not really putting too much of a shift in would that be right? Yeah there was a few of them or is that, or is that what he does anyway? Yeah he does that all the time so when he does it and they don't get a result people get on his back straight away I, I even think when he's supposedly playing well that he's the same player it's just that he's kind of interested and he's he does his thing he has loads of talent he's not a centre forward first of all I said in the article you know it's a it's a, a round peg in a square hole he, he's not a centre forward and he hasn't been and, and I've, I've I've said that two years ago and, and he's still being played up centre forward he's a make, makeshift forward so it's not even his fault he's a winger should he even start as a winger? Well, not on the left-hand side because Rashford is a better player than him on the left-hand side. And the team can't depend on Rashford every single time. Rashford, you know, pulls them out holes all the time. Him and Fernandes have done. You know, they've dri- driven it on. So uh, a big problem for United is the right-hand side. Now, Greenwood is hot and cold. He, you know, he, he, he what a finisher. And he's still only, it's a bit like Ronaldo when Ronaldo's at United. You can see potential in him, but he's not fulfilling it, you know, and he has to grow yeah. into that position. So at the moment, the right-hand side for United is a, is a problem. And you could see someone like Jack Grealish, you know, pursuing someone like Jack Grealish to come in, a player who's who's already there and is, 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 who can take that, that team on. But yeah, Greenwood is probably a year or two, you know, before he even gets near that. Um, for me... Pogba doesn't even start in this team. Fernandez and uh, Sergio Matic is is slow, clumbersome. He actually does okay in centre back, so I thought that might have been an option sometimes. But really and truly, 
it's uh, for me McTominay and Fred work really really well together They're, they've got loads of energy they look to go forward you know they talk about Fred giving the ball away but he actually wins the ball so much and I don't think he gives the ball away as much as people make him out to be I think he's one of them players that is underappreciated potentially would would, would that be right? I think like so he, does the, he doesn't do the headline grabbing job no, he so ha- people from outside might like say a Liverpool fan or outside because ah, he's rubbish but you you watching the game every week and watch it you you know what he does is actually quite important but it doesn't grab the headline kind of thing yeah he he hassles and hurries and and gets little toe pokes in and to win the ball back and nips in ahead of people and you know it's stuff that isn't you know people don't see it as amazing because he's not scoring goals or hitting 50 yard passes although he does he has that in his in in his armory as well but he's um he's just he's just gets himself around the pitch so well and I just thought they complimented each other so well and ever since uh, he he dropped Pogba and start playing in bit part and and put them two lads in with Fernandes and had a, a real shape about them that's when they started to get a more more consistency and after a while, Solskjaer decided, well, you know what, I'm going to introduce Paul Pogba more and more now. And they were raving against him for, about him against Fulham when he scored that goal. He, he, a great finish, left yeah. foot, corner. But he didn't do a lot in the game, you know, and I, I, I'm baffled that they were going so mad about him. Did he not get man of the match again on Sunday as well? He, but he, do, he does. If he does something, this is what I'm saying, Paul Pogba doesn't exactly. have to hit a level for people yeah. to rave about him. It's like, he, he, let's put it this way. If you, Thiago was on first two, two, two or three games and he came in, you're like, all right, lads, calm down. Like, you know, let's, let's give him a look for it. I, found, I find that's happening a little bit for Pogba in the last few weeks. Mm. We have to push him. We have to push the brand of the Premier League and he's a star name. Let's push him higher than what he actually is, I think. Yeah, you, I think we've, like... In the good run of form, Pogba has started. To, he actually did put his head down and started to play. Uh, when he was coming off the bench, I was very surprised that he actually had a good attitude coming off from the bench. And I was like, okay, this is this is good. This is good to see that he's. But he is what he is. He, he, you're not going to change him. He's there a while now. He's been there a long time now overall his career. But he's there a while now since he came back, and nothing has really changed about his game. We've seen the inconsistent side of him, and that's what it is. He he will have poor games like he did the other night, but Rashford didn't play well. Martial didn't play well. Um, I mean, they are big players. Two of them, you know, up front, and then Greenwood is is hot and cold, so you don't know what you're going to get out of him. All of a sudden, you have nothing up front there, but you need a centre forward, and that's where Cavani is. And if it said already in in the article, if you can only play him once every couple of games and your cup games are are mixed in with your league just play him in the league games you know play Martial up front or get someone else in you know I heard a shout there today like Diego Costa's free just get him in play Diego Costa for half the games and play Carvani for half the game you know have a target man there so yeah it's it's I, I just thought there was a lackadaisy attitude with the team that was picked and wouldn't surprise me if there was a lackadaisy attitude that just sort of seeped and, and spread throughout the team because that's how it, it looked reminded me, it reminded me of many a year following Liverpool uh, as you be like come the big Sunday night the big the big Sunday game against one of the big teams I'd always back Liverpool but then when you play somebody like that you're always nervous and there was just that element of that off United yesterday where you know, these are the games where you need to put it in just as much as Liverpool or just as much against City. 
these are the ones that win you the league title because City or say Liverpool in the last year or two don't lose these games. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that now it's a topsy turvy year. I totally understand that, and they've they've had some great results. They haven't had all great performances, and I, I've I've seen that. You know, even in October, November, when they were weren't having a good time, when they went on and started winning games, they weren't. They're not blowing teams away. You look at City now, and they're blowing teams away. You know, five nil. You know, whatever three nil. They're not conceding goals. They're scoring goals. So United have never really done that, and they don't look like they own that. They're not. They're not fully convinced, and I still don't see them before the game the other night and now after the game it hasn't changed my mind I don't see them as title challengers I see them uh, as someone who I think that needs to finish in the top four Solskjaer needs to finish in the top four if he wants to I think to keep his job Um, and the club need them to keep in the top four especially with the way Covid is at the moment and and you need to get your, your influx of money in so there's a lot riding on it and I, I wouldn't be too sure now if he doesn't get top four that he'd be still around. Yeah, because it's gas. Like it would have, it would have been a foregone conclusion. And this is the, this is like when you think about it. Right over the last two or three months of our podcast, we were picking up Chelsea. Now all of a sudden the manager's gone. We were picking up Spurs. Then they slipped out. Liverpool. We weren't necessarily picking them up. We were just saying, ah, oh, they're back to normal now. They're top of the table before Christmas, and then they slipped away. And and United were like Jesus. But they go for the league now, all of a sudden it's like, geez, will they even get into the top four? Like, apart from City, we've always known City were eventually going to get back up there. But we've changed, we've flip-flopped on everyone this year, such as the season. Now, I'm not complaining because I love it because it's been a great year. And if anything, I hope City don't go too mad because I love the fact that it's nice and tight and so unpredictable. Um, but uh, it just goes to show you, like, what a difference a week makes in football. Oh, it's huge. And I think, I don't think Chelsea's or Manchester United's if you look at it, or even Tottenham Hotspur or Arsenal, obviously, I think all of them were hoping to get top four. That was it. It's, yeah. I think it was yeah. only really Liverpool and Man City who were looking at, can we win the league? Yeah. And then, with all the mixed results, then everyone started thinking different things. Oh, I mean, as we said, nine different teams have been top yeah. of the table. And, you know, you're thinking, you know, what could this, could this be a Leicester year? You know, even with Leicester, yeah. you know, oh, could Leicester, Leicester. <laughs> could Leicester, could Leicester go and win it? So there's so many different teams that are, are quality out there. But yeah. when you look at City, the, the team, Diaz at the back has yeah. just really made them solid at the back and John Stone's enjoying playing beside him and you can just see that there's going to be a solidness about them and if they're scoring goals you know they hadn't got that beforehand now all of a sudden it's just clicked the, the freedom is back in the a little bit there's a bit of freedom and if anything it, 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 it shone more yesterday and I don't mean this in any slight towards him even without De Bruyne there was even further freedom because he's the focal point for a lot of it Um where once or twice the pass goes to him, which might necessarily need to happen. It could be the next guy going down the wing or whatever. And that's not to take away from De Bruyne, far from it, because he's, he's, he's arguably the best player in the league. But um, they seem to play with even more freedom now. Obviously, West Brom are just... That's what they're susceptible to, to, to leaking goals like that. But just City are starting to get to the scary City again. And as much as I was unsure of that a few weeks ago, such as such as life, we have to flip-flop our opinions this year for them. Um, are slowly becoming that free-flowing city. Even even Guardiola's um, body language is getting that good smugness, if you know what I mean, that good arrogance. 
that little smile is back on the sideline and even in the even in the press conferences I think he's even starting to feel like it's clicking and normal um, normal play is resumed for Man City Yeah and uh we're going to look forward to a hugely entertaining end to the season because there's so many big okay. games. When you look at West Ham is up there, Spurs, Everton, Leicester, and then you're talking about the others who we've talked about. Yeah. Like they're on a yeah. roll. And then we'll go on to, uh, well, this is what we'll go on to. Yeah, it's transfer talk and uh, we're going to talk about, I was going to talk about West Ham, we're going to make that link and I think I will make that link. This evening, this evening, Dave, it's been confirmed that Jesse Lingard has made a loan deal to West Ham United. So how, how does he fit in there? Yeah, um, well, for him, just him personally, he just needs a team to try and get games and hopefully will get games. But West Ham are a seriously formed side. So, Without knowing their team inside out, where is he going to fit in? Uh, it's hard to tell because like the best player in the league at the moment is Thomas Suchek. What a what a find he was at the start of the season and and banging in goals where he, maybe he wasn't necessarily brought in to be a bit of a, a goal scorer. I think he's fi- fifteen I, million, probably something like nineteen million euro in around that. It's a, it's a it's a it's a snip these days. Absolutely, that's a, it's as good as a freebie. So. Credit where credit's due, whoever brought him in, and obviously Moyes would have had it, had his hand in it as well. But where exactly he's going to fit in, I'm going to have to kind of play a bit dumb on it. I'm okay, so it. they've got, I'll tell you, they've got Bowen out on the right, they've got Fornals on the left, and they've got Ben Rama in behind as a number 10, if you want to call it, in behind Antonio. Obviously, Antonio is their main striker. Maybe Does, a right Bowman, a bit of competition. Yeah, maybe a bit of, but, but anytime I've seen Bowen, he's always played well yeah. as in he, he's always been around 7 out of 10 he's never really he works yeah. hard he he does well he he doesn't really disappoint so he, he's been quite good your man Fornals he's been in and out of the team and but yeah no it, it's going to be interesting to see where he's going to fit him in uh, maybe it's just uh, maybe he sees one of those players as you know Lingard's better than him and I'm going to put him in and that's that but Suchek and Rice sitting in the yeah. midfield, and yeah. as you said, Suchek two goals the other night. You know he, he he's coming up with the goods and an absolute snip. And like uh, it just jumped into me as you were talking there and going through him and Farnell, and then soon as I seen, I just thought of Lingard again. Like, like if Moyes does a Sam Allardyce tap into it, you know you're a forgotten man. You know, do you want to ram it down people's throats? Like you know, England World Cup or not your uh, European Cup come up? Do you want to kind of? force your way back in again you know this is your last chance to rally you know you're going to slip away if he can tap into that and get a, a right attitude linker it could be a cracking little sign to finish off the season because like Antonio is a fits in sport like he's very much a, a streaky kind of a striker so if you have a kind of your well, two a, checks and now he's a link Lingard man though Dave isn't he he's a link man yeah. now he's a bit like yeah. What Firmino is for Liverpool, he will score goals, but he's bringing players into it. So you know, maybe this is his top process with Lingard coming in. Yeah, and and listen, he's twenty eight. It's 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 time to. You're at that point now. Where it's like you need to try and put a, a, the right book into your career because it started kind of well with a lot of promise, then a lot of 
loans here and there and then in and out of the side and then I realised he was 26 and then I wrote him off because I didn't realise he was that old and I was like here I need to see more from this guy like it was a bit like Arsenal you can't win nothing with kids and they're all 24 and 25 now so it's time for him to roll up the sleeves and, and, and show his, show his metal providing he, he's still up for it so it'll be an interesting move for him but it's it's a win-win for West Ham because they've a decent enough run and a decent enough squad at the minute. But if they can get the best Lingard, it's a win-win. And if it doesn't happen, off he goes back to United at the end of the at the end of the season. Yeah, Arsenal have a new signing, albeit a lone one. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. The enigma that is Martin Odegaard. He was signed. Um, well, he made his international debut at 15 back in 2014 for Norway. And then the year later, as a 16-year-old, signed for Real Madrid. And of course, everyone knows about it. A bit Freddie, Freddie Adu style, except this guy seems to have a bit more about him. Um, he was sent out on loan, uh, big long-term loans were here in Vane and Arnhem. And at Arnhem, it started to take off again, scoring, what was it, 11 goals and two assists in the season. And then he was sent to Sociedad on a two-year loan, where once again, in his one, in, in only his first season, he really took off. And it was a big influence in their 4-3 win against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey last February which made him cancel his second year on loan and brought him back to Madrid but once again played the first game or two and then kind of petered out again the Dan seemed to make his, make his mind up quite quick but now he's gone to Arsenal so I'm just looking forward to seeing him because I've seen tiny bits and you kind of go this guy looks like he's got something he's got a bit of, he's a little bit different the fact that he's Norwegian he's certainly not a Norwegian style player very silky very continental very comfortable on the ball that good link up that number 10 kind of in the hole, set up a few goals, also grab a few. So I just want to see, has he got it? Because I've seen flashes. And when you see flashes, of course, you're going to see the best of them. So it'd be just, I'd like, hopefully, we get to see a, a potential up-and-coming star because he's still uh, he's still only 2021, 20, so technically still on the up. So I'm, I'm a little bit excited. I'm not promising anything because, like I said, I, I like the type of player he is. But it, it, another one for Arsenal where he could really slot in and start being a link man or the, the the one that they've been complaining, they've been, people are even murmuring, going, Jesus, should we get Ozo back? Technically, this is a 20, 21-year-old Ozo who's a bit of a playmaker, silky on the ball, but will grab a few goals as well, providing that's what he brings. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see him. I want to see what he can yeah. do. He looked at 15, 16 and 17 that he has the world in front of him and he could he could do what he wanted to do. I think he's probably been smart. At, I, know, I know obviously Real Madrid have a lot to do with it as well, but I think he's been smart getting game time in, in, in the other clubs. Uh, he's in Holland and, as you said, uh, Real Sociedad. And Real Sociedad, I think, really wanted him, but he pushed for the move to Arsenal. So it shows that he must have been doing something right and, and maybe the pro- progression and, you know, as well as, you know, the strength that you need to build to, to play the man's game rather than, yeah. you know, at a younger thing. That, that must be all coming together. So it'll be really interesting half year to see what he does yeah. at Arsenal. Now, Chelsea, and I was going to bring this up earlier, but I said, no, I'll bring it in a transfer talk. Chelsea are interested in signing Erling Haaland from Borussia Dortmund this summer. Real Madrid are favourites to sign the 20-year-old Norwegian international who has scored 37 goals in 37 appearances for Dortmund in all competitions. It's co- They're confident that they'll bring him to the, to the Bernabeu. Haaland is under contract at 
Dortmund until 2024, but is understood that the Bundesliga side could be tempted in selling him if they receive an offer greater than the 75 million euro or 66 million sterling release clause, which comes into action in the summer of 2022. So that's a couple uh, a couple of years away before for that sort of triggered but if they get offered 100 million he could be gone this summer there's talk that Chelsea are going to take it looking to take him and uh, I thought Alba was gone to Real Madrid but seemingly that that deal hasn't been done Um, I'm not too sure I've only seen that there now that that Chelsea are looking for him as well but this could be the this could be the one that they've seen Giroud is not really doing it for them they've seen that uh, Abraham hasn't sort of caught the, the ground running like he, they yeah. thought he might do they're looking for someone again as we said who's doing the business exactly very Chelsea like um, and obviously they'd have the money to compete uh, the lure of London um, and it like he obviously grew up in England he's obviously I presume a big fan of English football as he's a big Leeds fan you've seen him chasing Stuart Dallas for his jersey when he's playing for Northern Ireland so He'd be interested, without a shadow of a doubt, in in any top English club, I would imagine, and they'd definitely be up for consideration. Tuchel, I don't think he, no, he only went to Dortmund this year, so he wouldn't have played under Tuchel. But obviously, he would be somebody who's very knowledgeable of the German game. So he's the new up and coming hot striker that everyone's going to be looking at. So realistically, it's not a shock, but they they definitely have a great chance because they could offload one or two of their lads to bulk up a bit of money and, 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 and pay for some of the fees. They could easily uh, stump up the 100 million and, and sell off 40 or 50 million worth of talent. It's very hard to see, as and I touched on it earlier on, Jack Grealish staying with Villa next year. Yeah. Merely because I'm sure he wants to go on and play Champions League football and he has the talents to do so. Where Where should he go? Where could he go? And where will he go? I think his best chance, like his best chance for regular, regular football uh, and to put a stamp in, potentially you could say is United. But then again, is it a bit too similar to Fernandez and they're kind of stepping on each other's toes a bit? So what's the story with the dynamic of the side there? Are they willing to kind of change around? That's where I would probably initially say. I think City won't go there. I don't think they will. Now they could surprise me, but you never know. Um, although... You know, Foden technically is the is, is the silver replacement, but he also can play out in the wing. So maybe Grealish could sit in there if they could be watching him. But I would say United, he would easily get into the side. The easiest out of them all, Chelsea. I'd steer clear of it. They're just so humorsome, and they have a lot of players there as it is. So things could turn out very strange there. Liverpool. We'll probably be interested. Wijnaldum looks like it's almost certain now they're going to kind of just shake hands and say all the best. Send him on his very way. Your Hendersons are getting to 31. Obviously, Thiago's at 30. Uh, Milner's at 34, 35. You know, Liverpool might be looking to... Re- like, they all have... A, there's, a, there's a case for them all. But I'd say United would be the favourite. Okay. Yeah, but he, he can play in the centre through the left or, or, or on the right-hand side. So he even if it was Liverpool, Salah going, could, could you see him as a replacement for Salah? Yeah, he, he, not a direct, direct, because, well, probably just pure style alone, you would say not. Well, he's not, um, he's not, he, he hasn't would, been banging in the goals like Salah has. It. That's understandable. Wow. But then again, he is if still he developing. Yeah, if he went to Liverpool, I would rather see him potentially 
if our formation was to stay the same in the three of midfield more so than our three forward line. I wouldn't be dead set against it, but my my choice if I if he came there, I would rather see him try and break into that uh, middle three instead of the front three. Okay, Doug. Going to leave it on one last thing, and that's the Celtic Football Club, who seem to be crumbling to bits. How is oh. how is Neil Lennon still in the job? Send Frankie Lampard up there and let them have one season each against each other next year. Lampard, Gerrard, who's the better manager? At least you can prove that instead of who's the better player. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, do you know what? That has been talked about before as well. It'd be great to see Frank yeah. up there against them. <laughs> and do you know what? It'd probably be the best move for Frank Lampard now. He doesn't want to go to a club where he's struggling or anything like that. Then his, his managerial career will look a little bit frowned on. Maybe he should go up to Scotland, challenge for titles, maybe yeah. win titles up yeah. there. Yeah, well, it was shadow. Like, just quickly about Lampard more so, I'll jump back into that. But, like, Lampard's next move is, is, is massive because it won't be Liverpool, City, United, or any of the kind of the biggest teams in England. So you're only talking mid-table or lower. Um, yeah, obviously might have one or two on the continental side of things. Even the likes of New York City FC where he played, he'd probably be interested. I'm sure Celtic might even have a sneaky look. So his next move is going to be interesting because it's not necessarily going to be an upgrade. It's going to be a downgrade. And he needs to perform. Otherwise, his career could filter away a lot quicker than he would have wanted. Like He couldn't not take the Chelsea job. But the fact that it's fallen flat so quick, it really his next move is huge for himself and it needs to be successful in order to have a chance of getting back to that level because this game is ruthless as, as, as you're well aware and when you look at Celtic Neil Lennon is it is it a good idea is it a bad idea should it make a difference when a manager goes back to the same club that he's already managed yeah it's always tough you know it's it, like I think a lot of the success last year was going to happen one way or another and it was off the back of Rodgers if he wants to try and take the credit for it go for it but this is his proper season hasn't happened and even the way he bit back at the whole Dubai thing it was a disaster an absolute PR disaster and anyone with their saying with their right mind should have left it alone and just tried to ignore it in the press conference but he came out I'm not, I don't have to apologise to anybody other than players or something like that and I was really like you know you're not helping yourself and it's almost as if is he almost trying to push the second so he can get his payday I don't know I just didn't get why he was as aggressive as he is don't, don't get me wrong he does it he's done it on many occasions but he, he's a dead man walking unfortunately maybe Celtic can't afford to at the moment to let him go and maybe they're just going to ride off the rest of the season unless somebody off <laughs> Lampard's ill or even Rafa, because he was one of the great uh, rumours as well. There is one or two half-decent managers out there, which would be a certain upgrade. So if they were able to get them at a decent price, like, yeah, maybe then they'll, they'll tour for now. Yeah, well, 10 in a row is definitely gone, and uh, it's a, it's yeah. it's like a rebuilding process for them. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Eddie Howe has been mentioned as well. He'd be an interesting one to uh, see up yeah. there. And uh, But a, a, a good Celtic and Rangers makes uh, for a good, Scottish Premier Division and they really need the two of them firing on all cylinders OK Dave we're going to leave it there Just a last one mate if I don't mind yeah. just, a, just a little sneaky one uh, we all love our football and obviously we've been talking about it but just a little sneaky different one on Saturday uh, at 8 o'clock the Copa Libertadores final between an all Brazilian fair between Santos and Palmeiras it's at 8 o'clock BBC are showing the coverage 
I'm not sure if it's on the main uh, BBC One or Two. It's probably on the iPlayer, but it's it's definitely on stream. It can do whatever or elect, you can you, you know where you can find it. But by all accounts, it's uh, it, it, it they showed the semi-finals and finals just a little bit different. And as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, you might see the one or two stars of the future that are going to be fucked. Because there is one, I can't think of the guy's name offhand, I think he's 18, 19 with Santos, that seems to be the next Neymar, Rabinho style, that's the new hot prospect. So if you want a little different football than, than the Premier League at the weekend, 8 o'clock on Saturday, Palmeiras, Santos. We'll be looking at that, absolutely, million percent. Okay, Dave, thanks very much. Cheers, my man.